Hi there, my name is Tim. And my name is Luke. And you are listening to the Recruitment Now podcast. We are passionate about recruiting. Each episode, we share ideas and insights into the world of recruiting from world-class recruiters and researchers. This podcast is for recruiters, HR professionals, and anyone looking to improve their recruitment abilities. Today, we have Serge Boudreaux from uh, Burnco, and he's going to be talking about what's happening in HR tech. Now, Serge has had quite a colorful career uh, in uh, HR and recruitment, and uh, he's headed up sales for multinational job boards like Indeed and Workopolis. He's been a manager at Kelly Services. Now he's leading the talent acquisition for a North American concrete company called Burnco. I've met Serge a number of years ago because he's a pretty famous character in the recruitment industry. We've we've both met him. Hey, Luke. Yeah, we have. In our <laughs> previous worlds, he's uh, spoken at Disrupt HR about uh, why HR sucks at recruitment. So I do look forward to having a conversation about that. That means he's infamous. He's Not infamous. Famous. True. Yeah. Bashing HR. I like infamous. I like it better. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we look forward to hearing about that, Serge. So welcome, Serge. Thanks for joining us on this. Thanks. Thank you. It's really a pleasure joining legends of the Calgary recruitment market, both Luke and Tim. And like you said, I've, I've known you for, really, Tim, I think it's been probably six, seven years. When yeah, over like career. three or four jobs, too. Yeah, so. exactly. And Luke, I had the pleasure of meeting you this year. And uh, yeah, with a great day. Actually, times. I'm one of your clients. <laughs> exactly. Luke, yeah. have you ever been called a legend before? I have not been called a legend. I feel honored. <laughs> Me too. I'm right there. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. I'm glad I could uh, give you that honor. Now, Serge, what I was really intrigued by is that uh, you, you you were always working in the recruitment industry, but in a slightly more sales capacity before, and now you, you're actually working in talent acquisition. So many people believe that there's a huge overlap between recruitment and sales, and you've always been somewhat surrounded by that industry. Um, now that you're doing actual recruitment day to day, how would you say the two, sales and recruitment, how are they similar? I think it's a good question. I'm not, you know, I think sales has a lot of correlation with recruitment across the board. I think one of the biggest things is the metrics as far as sales is driven on a day-to-day basis. Are you hitting your daily metrics of how many calls you're making? How many clients are you talking to? And recruitment, I think, needs to be driven in the same way, especially on the agency side. And But I would say on the, on the corporate recruitment side as well. So, yes, there is correlation, 100%. But I think the skill sets needed is is actually more geared towards marketing. Just uh, if you look at the companies out there and how you try to differentiate yourself, it's it's really no longer about trying to find people. It's really the reality of it is is having people find you. And how you do that is marketing to, some would say it's marketing to many. It's really marketing to one. It's just that right one that you need to find. And uh, using marketing to be able to get to the right person, I think, is is where it's going. The other thing I think that we don't talk about is uh, supply chain. Uh, Supply chain, I think, is is an element that we don't see, uh, we don't talk about in recruitment. But who understands supply and demand better than supply chain? Uh, So... When I look at recruiters or who I want to hire, I'm like, I'm looking at, like, do you have the grit of sales? Um, There's a certain grit that you need to be in recruitment. Uh, But I also look at, like, what's their marketing expertise? How can they brand themselves personally as well? Because I think that's going to be big. Um, And then I look at supply chain. Do they understand uh, what it takes to be able to to get that right person and how to fill that pipeline? So I think it's a mixture of all three. I don't think you can really like box it into one. No, no. I think it's it's really like we're looking for multidimensional in that sense. So on the marketing and I'm curious about that, you made the comment that they have to be good at personal marketing. Yeah. 
what you'd think, okay, if somebody's working as a recruiter, they need to brand the company. Yeah. But expand a bit more on the personal marketing. Why does that matter? I think that's a good question. It's a good point because um, so if you look at personal marketing, people want to deal with people. Um, so a lot of times, and I, I, I work really hard with our team at Burnco in trying to to determine what our employment brand is out there and why people should work for Burnco. But the initial communication, I think how we differentiate ourselves when we're going after talent is based on me or recruiter A or recruiter B because we're trying to build that relationship right from the start. So when it gets to that top candidate, we're at the final end, I've seen it made a difference. Uh, I've had candidates tell me it's like just the way you guys approach it was so different than company Z. Uh, it wasn't a standard, here's a 15 minutes pre-screen. Instead, you had a conversation with me. You gave me the whole step through the process. So I think that's where the personal branding is. Like you're branding yourself. You're you're a salesperson going back to that. Um, but you're also, you're really branding yourself and the company in two different ways. And people will trust you. If your name is out there and you're going out to recruit, they'll trust you more than buddy or lady that's been in recruitment for two months and we know nothing about. So what does successful like personal branding look like beyond, you know, snapping selfies and putting them on Instagram <laughs> or whatever? But what, what does that actually look like in your experience? Ah, you know, it's the influence marketing is such is such a big thing. And I think we're such in a fun generation that in reality, you think about like our parents or grandparents is they work nine to five. They had no opportunity to do anything else like it's not like you could open a store at 9 p.m. from and work that time so a lot of people work at 9 to 5 now and can spend a lot of time branding themselves and what I, I mean by branding themselves is really digging into what they're interested in and really sharing that and that can be anything that can be from recruitment or it can be from building Lego structures like uh, so the branding on the recruitment side is 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 more is is actually I think it's just sharing uh, I think it's sharing a lot of information out there uh, sharing your knowledge I think that's the biggest thing if you can share people and not trying to sell it to I think that's part of the challenge as far as influencer marketing or trying to monetize everything it's not about monetizing in reality it's it's just about sharing your knowledge and if you do that if you give 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 and not, not expect anything back, uh, I think you'll be rewarded with that. And both in your career progression, but also in your actual physical, what you're doing and people willing to do business with you, especially if you're on the vendor side, I think that's critical. Now, you, earlier you said that you feel like there should be some supply chain expertise and people who do recruitment. That makes me think of the fact that we work in supply and demand of humans. Yep. So maybe recruitment's like human trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, I don't think we'll advertise. We won't put that on a, a billboard recruitment. It's like tra human trafficking. No, not yeah. a good idea. Maybe not a good way to brand it, but yeah, it's a good point. So if you're, if you're you know, if it's a sales, recruitment is a sales job. People need marketing expertise and pe perhaps an understanding of supply and demand. Does that mean that you would only hire sales, marketing, supply chain type people into your recruitment team, into your sourcing team? No. Uh, I think the biggest thing, and this is going to be a shocker to HR people, is I think the last people I would hire is HR people to do recruitment. How come? Uh, well, I, I think a lot, and I've seen this too many times, and um, a lot of people get in recruitment because they see it as a stepping stone to HR. HR and recruitment are very different. And my mentality, I think talent acquisition and larger organizations should report directly to the CEO. 
because I just think the skill sets that are needed are completely different. And in reality, there's companies that do HR really well. Um, there's a lot of companies, unfortunately, and I think it affects the credibility of HR in general, is there are two concerns about process and procedures. And don't get me wrong, that's right now it's table stakes. You need, as an HR department, be able to execute on, on the process and procedures. Like Everyone needs to get paid on time, because if you don't, that's an issue. But when we look at skill sets, like you look at a really good recruiter, it's, it's more similar to sales in that sense. They need the ability to be able to um, take risks. They need the ability to sell themselves. And you're you're a teacher of HR, so I think you you I might... teach recruitment as well. So okay, so I you might both. have a good perspective on that. Is is that something someone coming into HR feels that is that a like? skills that they have as far as the ability to go out and sell themselves. I'm sure there is. There's some really good recruiters that started in HR, um, but I haven't seen the opposite. I haven't seen a lot of good recruiters that wanted to um, that ended up going into HR. I think it's, it's like kind of a flip on that. I just think the skill sets are different. The grit that you need is different. So it's the issue the HR department, and I say this from a perspective, but yeah. my doctoral thesis was in, inspired by a Fast Company article entitled Why We Hate HR in 2005. <laughs> I read so, that, yes. Um, yes. So you've read that article. But yes. um, so, I mean, that's a whole tangent that we could go on. But is the issue dysfunctional HR departments or is the issue really that HR and recruitment need to be split? I, I think it's two different things. I think uh, I think HR is dysfunctional. Uh, I think HR has large issues in the, and this is not like I'm generalizing. Mm -hmm. I think there's very good HR departments, but in general, HR cannot execute, um, which in recruitment, you have to be able to execute or you physically have no one working into. And this is the biggest talking to leaders like CEOs, COOs and everything. And their frustration, it might be accurate, it might not be, is HR never executes on anything. They have all these grand IDs, um, but they actually never physically execute. And that gives the impression to a lot of people that HR is just a plan in the party planning committee, which is very <laughs> controversial. And my boss at Bernco hates when I say that because she's the leader of HR. But I'm like, it's not a party. If I'm interviewing someone for an HR role and they say they love, uh, well, first of all, if they say they, they went into HR because they love people, kind of. I, I stopped the interview there and just. Yeah, I don't like those people. Yeah, you do you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate that comment. I tell my students, don't ever say that in an interview. I will come back to haunt them. It happens all the time, yeah. and it's uh, automatically one of the things that I um, I look at. I'm like, yeah, it's probably not going to work. And if they say they love party planning or event planning, yeah, no, I don't want you in HR because in reality, that's the impression that the business has of HR is that's not it. HR has a huge strategic um, opportunity in most organizations and we don't take advantage of it. Now, you earlier were talking about um, sales and marketing being a part of recruitment and any sales and marketing professional is driven by a whole lot of metrics. Yeah. It's very goal-oriented. Um, not only related to the activity, but also to the outcomes. How would you say that should be applied in recruitment for the best outcome? This is one I'm really passionate about because uh, I spent many years at Indeed and Workopolis. And in those years, I spent a lot of time working directly with clients. And I was shocked every time being like, they had no clue, and I'm again generalizing, of how much they spent on recruitment. And I think that's a really basic, like how much are you physically spending? And they I see no that a lot too. Yeah, yeah, you probably see that. Uh, but then I look at, okay, how are you tracking like, 
basic recruitment metrics are like your time to fill, time to hire, cost per hire, uh, where your sources are coming. And I would say, and I might be completely wrong in the stats, I would say 90% of the companies have no clue on that. So putting that in perspective, if your CMO did not know where um, the leads are coming from or the source of leads, would you still have that CMO? If your VP of sales didn't know how many calls his sales team did, would you would you not fire that VP of sales? So we're letting HR leaders get away with not knowing their metrics. And in reality, maybe the expectation in business is they don't know those metrics. Like, and, But that is a huge gap. That's where we can bring value instead of being uh, really a, a cost center. And this is where we can be a profit center. If we're really showing how much we're saving to the business, but how much efficient, uh, it's a much easier conversation to have, uh, especially at the C-level saying, hey, look, last year we were doing, it was taking us 15 days to hire, it's taking us 10 days. Our quality of hire has gone up by this amount. And we're actually spending less because we are spending quite a bit more on, on metrics or on uh, tools that are working better for us. When I think compared to what it was 20 years ago, let's say for recruitment, it was harder to track some of those metrics. Yeah. Um, now with internet-based you know recruiting which most applicants come through that with applicant tracking systems etc there's no excuse anymore there wasn't an excuse 20 years ago but there's less of an excuse now so why do you think you know recruitment leaders hr leaders are still not able to provide that level of expertise you know what i'll uh i think there's hr deserves a blame to it but also um I think what happens is a lot of hcm systems and ats especially hcm systems are actually not chosen by by HR, they're chosen by either, in most cases, finance. Um, and the ability to track those metrics is not put in consideration as far as what finance wants. And they're really looking at themselves and the HGM is the second part. And like we're, I've seen in many companies in major ERP projects where they're, they're converting. So I think a lot of systems, um, so I'll, I'll blame finance a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but HR has a lot to be able to demand to the ability to get those metrics. And in reality, if you look dig deep enough in in most HCMs, uh, you can find those metrics. But the thing is, like we're in 2019, and we're still in, we're still integrating really crappy ATS. Like Taleo still exists in this day, and it's like and new companies are still installing Taleo, which is like installing Windows 98 as your operating system. And I'm sorry, Taleo. Um, that's but, one of those where every candidate has to create a new profile and upload everything that's already in oh, their resume. Oh, right? it's just like okay. it, it, it drives me. It drives me insane. And what they do with these systems, they'll they'll plug in like um, chatbots or whatever the case is to make it more modern. But the actual UI and the infrastructure usability of it, it's just it's just it garbage. And and I'm not targeting to. I think honestly, all the ATS that are part of a, a massive HCM are garbage. Like there's not really a good one out there. Uh, which makes it harder to track those metrics, the ability. And and honestly, HR is not asking the right questions when this is going through. It's like, okay, this is the things I need to fill. Um, and the other metrics, like, so those are the lagging metrics. The leading metrics, there's no excuse for HR not to be able to track it. Like 20 years ago, you could track, okay, recruiter A, how many calls have you done today? Right. How many people I reached out to? When I say calls, I mean, that can be text, that can be whatever the case is and how we recruit. That's easy to track, and we're not tracking those. I would say if there's 
5% of companies in like Calgary or in Canada that actually track those leading metrics and recruit, I'd be shocked. I know staffing agencies do, uh, really good ones do, um, but I corporate, that's a huge gap that we have. Sales organizations are always using really elaborate CRM systems like HubSpot or Salesforce. Yeah. And it sounds to me almost like recruiters should be doing the same thing to be able to have a dashboard monitoring the the activity, right? Yeah, there is. And CRMs, like you can leverage HubSpot for um, for recruitment. And I've actually leveraged it in that sense. And But there's great CRMs out there as well. well it is incredible to think that you can, you know, if you are running an app selling a widget, you can tell exactly where that person, you know, your customer lives, where they dropped off in the process. You can tell all these details, but in recruitment, I've yet to meet the recruiter. And you know what, if anybody's listening and you want to challenge me on this, give us a call. We'll put you on this uh, podcast here. But uh, to meet a recruiter or recruitment department that can track that level of detail, where are candidates coming from? You know, where in the process is it not working? And to dive right into that, the technology exists. I'm not sure the competency exists in HR and recruitment to fully capitalize on that. I agree. I think it's it's really rare, and I think the technology is there, and I've seen companies track it. I think also um, we should give the visibility to the job seeker as far as where they are in the process, and, and that's something that um, I've looked into as far as like how can we be as transparent as possible. So we're giving access to the to the the candidates, and the same sense as giving accountability to the recruitment department is. Why has that candidate been sitting in that applied status for 45 days and we've done nothing with that candidate? So uh, if the candidate sees that data, well, it might hold us accountable to it. Now, when I was chatting with Serge a while back, I, I learned that he really loves geeking out over the latest tech available in the recruitment space. And that's probably why he's also on the advisory board of a Canadian-based startup, a job board for health professionals called Health Job Hub. And I've also seen him tinkering around with Facebook ads specifically to hire truckers because they're not the type of people you're going to find on LinkedIn. Um, they probably don't have LinkedIn profiles or even resumes, I guess, and they're not going to be applying on job boards. So, so what are some of the geekiest things you've done while hacking talent acquisition using tech? Uh, you know, I've, uh, I totally, my wife drives her crazy because I, I listen to every podcast and I'll be at home, like we have two newborn twins and, and a four-year-old, so I'll be like holding one of the babies or both babies and watching on YouTube a weird recruitment demo on, on onboarding. Uh, and she's like, she's like, don't you have something better to do than that? But I, I'm just really passionate about being um about recruitment itself i spent the last 15 years in it but i'm also i want to be ahead of the curve uh, i think there's a lot of benefits in it so when geeking out like um i actually so every night before i go to bed it's funny i listen to podcasts and there's some great ones and i can't wait to hear this one uh in reality uh, uh that i listen that i learned so much from so i geek out in that way i want to know about the latest technology i do de- oh, vendor demos like a couple times a week even if I have no interest on on what's in there, I just want to know how it works. And I realize there is so much noise in that space. Um, it's crazy because you mean recruitment tech. Recruitment tech is probably the it's, it's really hot right now. I, like there's so much VC uh, VC um, funding that's going through recruitment tech. Um, and but there's because of it, there's so much noise. There's so much money in the system, and there's so much crap out there too. There is some really good stuff. But it's getting lost in the crap. And so it's always good to to really get an insight. Like I, I've been digging into everything from 
like AI to to automating to uh, programmatic advertising to better ways to use staffing agencies. So. Now you've been using Facebook targeted ads quite a lot. Yeah. What do you find is the biggest value in using Facebook ads, or why do you choose to do that? So the company I work for now is is uh, it's been around forever. It's been 107 years, but we dwarf of the size of our competitors. Uh, we're, we're much smaller, so I can go in Indeed. I can have uh, the best written job ad. I don't have the budgets that a company and my competitors do, so I get lost in the shuffle of thousands of jobs that are going through. Um, and I'm really hitting, and we talked about active and passive, and I think everyone's active in, in one way, but not everyone's going to job boards. Um, and I job boards have, like I thought they were dead 15 years ago when I started working for them and they're not, they're not going anywhere. But I look at the true passive candidate. So say I'm a trucker, I have truck, like a truck driving job in my profile and I'm scrolling through Facebook and there's an ad for a trucking job that shows up. I'm going to look at it even if I'm not looking for a job. So I'm, and I'm not competing against anyone on Facebook. In reality, none of my competitors are in that space or doing it right. So I'm hitting a passive candidate that, would never go to Indeed or or the whatever job board it is. So it's giving me a huge um, like competitive advantage. Also, the cost is dramatically lower. Facebook right now, Facebook advertising is is the most underpriced advertising medium out there, and that's going to change. Um, that's going to change in really near future. So I've done it for marketing for friends that I work uh, that I know that I've done marketing for their small business and. Uh, it's worked tremendously. I'm like, why can't we do it for recruitment? And I've had massive success with it. So I would what's say. The, the cost of acquisition through Facebook advertising, for example, for hiring a trucker? Yeah, so on average, the cost of acquisition for a trucker are through all my other sources. And this is just the advertising cost. So there's other costs involved, but just the advertising cost. It's been, it's been around $200, which is fairly low. I, I try to be as strategic. I've been able to, on Facebook, to range it to around $20 to $25. Um, I still believe I need to be everywhere just because it's such a competitive, especially in the U.S., like Texas and Colorado, unemployment rate of 3%. Truckers are hot, like everyone wants them. So I need to be everywhere, but I'm getting the most bang for your buck on Facebook. And uh, I'm also for Instagram. I, it's working really well for, we run a bunch of landscape stores um, that we have people from school, like straight out of university during like summer break. Instagram is, is, is work wonders for it. Because similar, there's, I'm not competing against anyone. Maybe a different age group on Instagram versus uh, it's Facebook? Totally different. And... and it's an argument that I have with, uh, it's funny because our president in the U.S. is it's really old school. Texan real text oh, yeah. and it's like yeah people are not on facebook he wants me to do newspaper advertising and, and <laughs> billboards and i'm like I, i'm not against it like in that sense it has some in some really rural market maybe has some and uh it's your budget i'll spend it uh but it's more to prove you that it doesn't work but he's like i asked him he's like well i'm not on facebook and i told him like one of the things i'm like how do you think Trump won the election. It wasn't Twitter. It was Facebook in rural market targeting 40 to 65, which is exactly the target Your demographic target of what I'm trying to hire in drivers. And so the success is there. So I'll ask him, like, how, how many people do you know actually have a newspaper subscription? And he's like, oh, I don't know. 
how many people do you know have Facebook? And that like totally changed the conversation, the thought in his head. Yeah. But it, it seems like you're approaching this from a marketing perspective because any good marketing person would start with where is our audience and then yeah. build backwards. But in my experience, recruiters often start with, well, this is what we want to do to build our brand. We have our website, we have our check this box, whatever industry they're in. They kind of ignore where the audience is. So they're throwing ads out to, you know, a ghosting space there and not reaching that. So mm. my point here is there's a lot more synergy between marketing and recruitment and potentially almost they're the same thing. You know, in terms of marketing, you're, you're building the brand of your company while recruiting employees and while recruiting employees, you're building the brand of the company. Do you have any thoughts on that in terms of marketing and recruitment maybe merging? Oh, I, I think they're so similar. It's just really especially, and I don't know if it was very similar 20 years ago, 10 years ago, but in, in a market that's dominated right now by the candidate has is, has all the power. It's a candidate-driven market, um, similar to a consumer-driven market. Like candidates and consumers are going to go where to feel they get the, the best value and the ability to reach them is, is, is critical in reaching and job boards, I spent a lot of times, and I think they have tremendous value because people are, are going to those sites. But we need to find out where they are, where the job seekers are going away from that. Because for the larger firms, so like a large bank has this infinite pool of people that want to work for them. But that's not a reality for 90% of the companies. It's like if I put like a Facebook comment on my on my page saying, Hey guys, how's everyone going today? Um, I'm not going to get one reply because their brand is not that strong. Any bank will will have thousands of replies and automatically have thousand people work for them. So we need to figure out a way how to differentiate yourself, and that's the power of the internet. Like anyone has the power to be able to compete against the big brands when it comes to talent or product, um, which is is. is great to be living in this age um so in that sense so marketing recruitment are wholeheartedly aligned and recruitment managers and talent acquisition managers and directors should have a really strong marketing background and the understanding of it um and uh, to be honest i think we're really lazy with it like uh, we should know how facebook advertising works we should know how linkedin targeted ads like we shouldn't reply rely only on on in-mails or whatever the case is. So, yeah, I, I think especially on the leader side, I, I, recruitment is is marketing. Now, Serge, talking about what's hot and currently tre- trending in HR tech, earlier you mentioned programmatic advertising. How is that different from what's, what we already know for targeted adverts? Well, a programmatic is, um, it's, you know, programmatic on the consumer side has been the standard for 20 years at least like probably maybe even a little bit more in recruitment it really hasn't caught on until the last couple of years and there it's been interesting to see it in the last like two months we've seen four major acquisitions of uh of programmatic uh, companies Sir, can you just define program programmatic advertising before we sure absolutely yeah. so uh, programmatic advertising, which is a little bit different. So in recruitment, we're used to duration-based advertising. So buying a job posting for 30 days. And um, the model that's been the most popular for probably the last five, 10 years is cost per click. So basically, and it's usually only true one partner. So how programmatic advertising works, it basically, it gives the ability to the, to the company to be able to broadcast a job to 
potentially thousands or hundreds of job boards. And really, it's a computer doing the bidding instead of someone manually doing the bidding on how much you should spend on that particular marketing spot. Um, the way it's done, and probably AppCast is the biggest one. So AppCast has two different products. So they have uh, AppCast, so basically I can go in and say, I'm willing to pay $50 for this driver. AppCast takes that job, brings it to all the job boards, be like, okay, who wants to advertising it? And who wants basically to put it out there as far as to get the best visibility? And we'll pay you whatever, $25 or half of whatever the, the client is willing to pay for that candidate. So it's basically broadcasting to everywhere and everyone has the ability to it. Um, then it kind of works in the back end as a bidding system. So depending on who wants to bid for that $50 or if I want to spend less. The other thing that Programmatic does is, so AppCast has a product called uh, ClickCast, which takes all your spend and makes sure that you're maximizing the spend on, on all your job boards. One of the issues with a lot of cost per click or, or duration advertising, so cost per click, um, what happens is usually you'll put a budget for a multitude of jobs. Ends up your admin assistant uh, takes half of the budget because there's a lot of interest and your engineering role that you really need candidates doesn't get enough of that budget. So you're ending up spending a lot, but not getting a real like balance of candidates where you need it. Programmatic works to fix that. Um, and it does it in, in two different ways. It does it in a bidding system to sell your job, but it also tries to maximize your spend. So we've, we've seen the acquisition. Like we look at Stepstone, which is a major job board in Germany, buying AppCast. Um, and AppCast is, is the biggest player in, in North America. So it's really interesting to see that. And then Indeed goes out the day after, which makes me think they lost out on AppCast. Um, that's just it's a guess on my end. So could it, this hurt job boards? Well, I think it can help. Um, in the way that it gives them a distribution channel. So actually, like the programmatic is going, is leveraging the job boards to basically sell the job. So yeah, it can definitely help uh, on that end. It's interesting to see agencies like TMP buy a programmatic um, um, job board and or programmatic advertising and, and basically now integrate it as part of their solution suite. So we're seeing that uh, across the board. Programmatic is, is the hottest thing out there. Wow, I think this is something that many people don't haven't heard of yet before. I I hear so many people, you know, actually physically posting their jobs manually on different job boards all at once, and uh, I'm pretty sure that job boards have been making a lot of money out of that because you'd set a hundred dollar budget for the one job, but maybe you only needed to spend ten, ten or twenty bucks on it. Let's say. Oh, you look at niche sites. I, niche is uh, I am a big believer in niche, but if you're buying one particular job posting. Um, like if in some of it you need to do it because it just hits that audience, but you could be spending like $400 for one candidate and you might just need one candidate. So that's fine. But there's got to be a way to to maximize your spend and programmatic does, does the best possible job. And unfortunately, um, there's maybe in Canada 5% of clients that use programmatic, uh, which is which is a shame. But I think we're going to see that dramatically change as as the next couple of years go by, we're seeing we're seeing the shift already. People are looking for alternative uh, what's out there. Um, we've gone through cycles. Like Tim, you've been in the industry for a long time. You've seen the evolution of Monster to yeah. Workopolis in Canada. Uh, then Indeed is so dominant, um, which is interesting. And seeing Google for Jobs, how impact how big an impact Google for Jobs has that 
I don't know if you guys saw, but yesterday there's an antitrust. Um, the European Union is putting anti uh, basically all the major job boards are complaining against Google for jobs and trying to eliminate because it's, it's dragging traffic from the other sites. As in North America, they're quite happy about it because Monster and Career Builder are using Google for jobs to basically kind of even out the playing field against the Indeed. So that's going to be really interesting in Google for jobs, how that's going to affect. Um, correlating and putting that with programmatic so like the major players are going to be going through a lot of competition in the next couple of years what exactly is google for jobs can you post a job on there or is it trolling the web for existing jobs yeah google for jobs is uh so basically you you it's, it's it trolls to the web but it's a little bit different than say an aggregator such as indeed um so basically, it basically tries to take your job in based on multiple factors and relevancy. You rank higher. Um, it does in the search result in the search results. So when you go on Google for jobs or Google now and you type in I don't know engineer jobs, there's a new box that pops up, and it shows you all the jobs. And this is Google for jobs. Similar, they did this with flights in the past, which they haven't had been very successful. Um, but they're trying to, I guess, democratize like. Put one simple way for people to see all the jobs out there, um, and they're they're basically trying to standardize it in a way that um, they're encouraging things. And this is an interesting argument in my company is um, if you're saying putting salaries and um, your job is going to be more relevant and have a higher ranking, which is a huge cultural shift for a, a lot of organizations. Um, I know I'm going through it, and I know a, a lot of my colleagues are so. I, I'm excited about Google for Jobs, but it's like, honestly, um, it's only been around 5% of my source of traffic, uh, which I expected it to be bigger. So it'll be interesting to see what the next year looks like. So you've talked about changes in where to post and how to post, but what about the job posting itself? There's still content that has to be, and to be honest, a lot of job postings look like they're copied and pasted from a job description, which was written 20 years before hasn't been updated and it's just as boring language, but have you seen a shift there in terms of the language of job postings in terms of what's required? Yeah, it's, well, like they, in reality, they, they suck because it's exactly how you described it. It's a job description from 20 years ago that they copied and pasted. And uh, a lot of the perception of uh, what they do now to enhance it is they'll put some flowery language that talks we're the best of, company in the world to work for exactly yeah. what i call full employer brand um so yes i it's changed and a lot of companies are doing a way better job at it but you know i think that's one the one element that we could add as far as if you have ability is is being a copywriter because i know i i really suck at being a copywriter so i like i'll I've just revamped my driver jobber ads and um, I still don't think they're great because so I've actually looking at hiring a copywriter to be able to help me because I we have so many great things at the company I'm at. Um, but also I want to give the reality uh, people are looking for like, to be authentic, which is, is a huge challenge in marketing in general. So I think it's, it's going to be it's gone from basically very vanilla to um, being almost fake. Like in reality, a lot of job postings are, are, are fake uh, as far as the attributes of working there. I, I'm in a mindset that if something sucks at your company, point it out. Um, but it was interesting. I was actually reading an article yesterday that highlights like heat maps, what people look at the most. And the things they look at is like 
well, where is the location? So am I going to need to drive far or close? Like, what does it physically pay? What am I physically going to do on a day-to-day basis? Uh, like, if I see another, like, uh, we need a excellent communicator or, like, define that. Like, we need to define those platitudes way more than than we have um, in that sense. I like that putting into a job description what sucks at your company because <laughs> nobody ever says the the bad and the ugly, right? But it's a reality that we all find the grass isn't always greener on the other side. There's always some part of it that's not good. Well, just imagine a job posting, hey, we'll pay you 150 grand a year, but you're going to work 85 hours a week. So yeah. um, might well, self-select, you know, maybe not that level of honesty, but a little bit more honesty in the postings about the good and the bad. So you could self-select out. Oh, I agree. And I think part of it is like uh, I look at some of the roles, like our, our driver roles. Um, we have people leave within the first two weeks all the time because they don't realize how hard physically it is compared to to me and driver. So what I've done is I've created a section, reality of the job. Like you're going to be lifting 50 pounds. Your boss might be an asshole. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> that's sometimes the case. Uh, and, and it does in that type of industry. Yeah, yeah. You, you see it. Um, but also, it's like you're going to be working 70 hours. You're not going to have a Saturday off during the summer, during our peak season. I put it out, and I'm hoping this self-select, even though, because the cost of hiring them, training them, and, um, and I'm also really conscious about the awareness of high turnover to our top employees, and that happens. Like, they're training someone. They don't last a week or the last two weeks. It's really physically demanding for the people that are training these folks. So, yeah, I, I think the why we suck, should be um, almost a disc- like a, a criteria in your job postings. Would you also say job descriptions need to be shorter? I find mm. job descriptions are so long, people don't read it all the way to the bottom and they apply, even though there's requirements they definitely don't meet. Just adds more, uh, more, work, more, more work to go through those resumes, right? So it brings me to, to my next question is, uh, AI and machine learning has become quite, quite a hot topic uh, in any industry, really. Um, and because we're now using job boards and there's a huge volume of candidates applying to jobs, we need to automate how we, how we work with candidates, right? How do you think AI or machine learning will affect recruitment, not only for the recruiters' day-to-day tasks, but maybe also how uh, will that replace recruiters in the <laughs> end? Well, it's funny you say that. That's kind of how vendors have been selling AI, which is really stupid way of selling it because you're going in with like your guns a blazing like hey this technology is gonna is gonna re- drop away yeah exactly like who's not gonna push back against that in reality who needs to buy in is is the physical recruiters um like because as a like a manager of recruiters um like I, i'm not gonna go to them when a prog and be like hey this is gonna replace you guys but We'll save a lot of money as a company. It's probably not the right approach, but I uh, I think there's some validity to it. I think it's just they've been selling it wrong, uh, and I think it's not replacing recruiters. I think it's enhancing recruiters because what's the biggest complaints that we get is from job seekers is like, well, I didn't hear back. They didn't build a relationship with me. Recruiters are taking all their time doing things that are, are maybe not uh, efficient, like scheduling meetings. Like if you don't have Calendly or whatever tool it is, um, you're you're really wasting a lot of time. And so I think AI, AI has a, a, a massive opportunity, but I think automation is where the big opportunity and how leveraging AI for automating. So let's automate a lot of 
a lot of the process, a lot of tools we do. And honestly, I in this will, a lot of recruiters will hate this, but I think sourcing should be completely automated. There's not the need of someone knowing how to use Bouillon search. Those days are over. Like there's so many tools that can find the people where they are. Where the challenge lies is how is the recruiter going to go out and physically build that relationship. So what these tools can do is really eliminate the really crappy recruiters and uh, elevate the really good ones, uh, really good ones. So a lot of recruiters hide under or behind those admin tasks. And so in reality, it's like it's a weird industry because uh, it's one of the industries that you can have. There's such a gap between a really good recruiter and a really bad recruiters. And they can be in their career for 20 years and be a bad recruiter and no one knows the difference. You don't see that. Like there's there's really good doctors and there's bad doctors, but the gap is probably not that big for mechanics recruiters. Like there's some really, really, really bad ones out there. And um, and for and, and most of them are usually coming from HR. No offense to HR, but it's, it's they don't want to be there. If you don't want to be in recruitment. You just had to take that shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I okay. did, yeah. Uh, if you don't want to be in recruitment, you probably shouldn't be. So this is where the gap. So to go back to if AI, yes, it's going to be. But we're 20 years behind on programmatic advertising. I have little faith um, that we're going to be that is close, as close as we think it is as far as being AI having a, a big impact. Well, I think that's a good point, too, on the transactional parts. There are you know, stuff that recruiters do that could be automated. But there's still the really good recruiters have that ability to judge and that, you know, that art of looking at a candidate, looking at two very similar candidates, all things graded equal and figuring out, hey, I know this job and this person's going to be there. So I, I don't think that's going to go away. Maybe 50 years from now when I'm, you know, long out of the industry. Well, do you think AI can help with that as far as candidate selection? This is this something I think it can you... help give you more data points. Okay. But I still think in recruitment, there's a judgment factor. Okay. And that judgment factor, I don't think can be given over to computers. You know, maybe for an entry level job. You know, that doesn't really matter. But if you're going to recruit a CEO or an executive, there's a million data points that I think a good recruiter, you know, based on his or her you know, decades of experience, can actually recommend candidate A over candidate B using more data points than they mm. probably had 30 years ago. But those yeah. data points are still there. So that's that's my thoughts on it. Like I really, you know, there's always that, oh, you know, the robots are going to interview people, you know, through automated videos, et cetera. I'm like, well, A, somebody still has to program the algorithm which is a judgment there. Yeah. And B, I still think there's going to be a human factor, no matter how much, how automated we get. So I, I don't know what hear from you guys. I think candidates, they're humans, right? And yep. we've all evolved uh, just in the last 20 years. We're all hungry for connection, yep. human connection. And that's also how we're going to know whether we want to even work at this company. Uh, and I think now that candidates have the power to make those decisions, they're not as desperate for the job. Um, and if they're not getting that human connection, they're not going to learn enough about the company to be able to make the buying decision of do they switch jobs or do they take this job? And that's something that a robot is not going to be able to do, right? Or you, I think a video interview is probably the only way you can dehumanize the interview process. That's as far as you can go with it, is to put it on video, not in person. Yeah, You're I, talking the... Uh the asynchronous you record a video and submit it type yeah of interviews exactly. versus like a skype or zoom yes exactly yeah, so okay. it, 
there's a there's a detachment because it's a, it's a. But what's your thoughts right? on it? I, I'm really curious on that because I'm on the fence. Um, I think there's a certain value to that, like video interviewing, and a lot of organizations are are launching it. And there's kind of a hot market around it, but I have no opinion. I I don't know. I'm curious how you guys. My feel opinion, about it. I actually it's not a scientific study, but I taught a recruitment and selection class this this summer. And I had my students actually record a video of themselves, one minute long, talking about their experience. And then we debrief that video and their experience. My belief is if they're going to be future recruiters, if they're going to make candidates do that, I'm going to put them through pain so they learn what it is. So if, you, if you're going to make candidates go through it, at least you've done it yourself. And every single one of them hated it. Really? And it's the awkwardness of talking to a screen. Now, it's different talking to a human through the screen, you know, in a yeah. live video, but Talking to a screen about yourself feels so unnatural. And these are 21-year-olds who record videos on Instagram and post selfies all the time. These are not, you know, 50-year-olds yeah. who don't. And they all hated it. Now, they would do that to get the job and check that box, etc. I don't know what it tells you about a person. It tells you how well they can talk to a computer screen. I'm not sure it tells you much about their personality. That's, that's my opinion. I'm very skeptical of it. Um, I think in a future episode, we're going to get a recruitment leader that actually does this with her company. Yeah. Um, we'll, you know, get her perspective on that, but, uh, that's my thoughts, Luke, Serge, what do you think? Yeah. Well, we actually, um, at top recruiter, we have the recruiters on our platform need to record a one minute video of themselves and we help them with a couple of questions to give them content as to what to answer. But half of the recruiters, we need to beg to do it because they face the same fear. They do not want to be in a one way video. However, if we schedule a 15 minute call and happen to do it over video and record it, we can answer the same questions in a very authentic way. Yeah. Um, and it flows so much more naturally. So I, I think there's probably a lot of people who, who would not ap- apply for the job because of the video. It's a barrier. You think, yeah. I, I think it really, I think that's a good point. I think it depends on the company. I think in reality, if you have everything else is strong and people, you have a lineup of people wanting for work, it, it, there's an mm-hmm. opportunity there. But I, yeah, I'm not so. Have you guys seen um, Tange, the uh, the robot? Uh, it's based in Europe, and it's been it's been quite a thing on the recruitment side. So it's basically a robot that's it's a robot interviewer. Can you say that name again? Tange, T E N G A I, I think. Tange. Uh, so it, take a look at it. It's a really actually. It's like the first time I saw the video. It kind of looked creepy, but all the feedback from like vendors or people have tested it out. Like she she was at uh, Recfest in in the UK. Uh, couple of weeks ago is actually quite blown away by it it kind of because she has the facial expressions you're being interviewed by a robot but there's like that human element for some reason they've done a really good job to it yeah the body language the face recognition so i don't know i agree i think when it comes to i would feel really awkward being on video because everyone hates to hear themselves like their voice and see themselves so yeah it's going to be interesting i i have no plans on video interviewing but I have a lot of vendors calling me, trying to sell me on video interviewing. I'm like, all right, show me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not against it. But. My opinion, like, if you're Global News or CBC recruiting a new reporter, fair game. That's a competency of that job. But for most jobs, you don't sit there and record videos of yourself. So in my mind, if you're doing the videos, re- recording them, you're measuring the ability to make a recorded video. That's yeah. all you're assessing there. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine. If not, I'm, I'm hesitant, but who knows, maybe... 
the new generation will eventually just buy into that. Maybe that'll become normal. I don't know. It'll be interesting because Hireview, which is probably the yep. biggest one, um, has they've they've had a lot of interest in that company. Actually, they might have sold recently or recently got funding. So there's obviously interest, um, but it's going to be interesting to see what industry and who catches on to it. Well, thank you very much, Serge. This has been an extremely interesting uh, podcast. Thank you very much for coming in today. And to our listeners out there, uh, to find out more about the Recruitment Now podcast, visit www.recruitment-now.com or find us on LinkedIn. That's Tim Vanderpale and Luke Gass. Mm-hmm.